0: She puts the wow, mmm, yum, into words. It's the Lafayette Food Junkie herself on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm your host, Tiffany Deku. Here we talk about all the food happenings around Acadiana. If you like food, tune in. You might learn something new. Okay, we got to get it out of the way. Right away, it's Mother's Day, so I have to give a shout-out to my mom, Babette. She is the best mom in the world. I'm a little biased, but that's okay. Um, I, I actually posted on social media this morning that um, she gave me my cojones and my inability to hold my tongue, so I, I thank her immensely for that. Um, I also said that a, an animal never came across her path that didn't love her, and if someone was in need, she would give the shirt off of her back. Um, and then I, I, I went on to mention a story um, that I'm going to now tell over the air, and she's going to hate me. But when she was in high school, uh, her brother was in a fist fight with this guy, and she was holding his hat. And this other guy tried to take the hat out of her hand, and she then got in a fist fight with him. And she is all of four eleven. So. That's just a little bit about my mom, and she's great, and one of these days, uh, she will give me the recipe for the sweet and sour sauce that goes with the lumpia that she made. Uh, She told me that she would leave it to me in her will, but uh, I'm going to try to get it out of her before, but happy Mother's Day to her. She is in Ohio right now, where I'm pretty sure it is still snowing there, unlike the sweltering heat that we are having now. Uh, Joining me tonight as guest co-host is April Corville. She is no stranger to the show; it's been a while, but uh, she's coming on tonight, and we're going to be talking about her Instagram wine blog. Or is it? Is that would it be a wine blog, or would it be a champagne blog, or a or sparkling wine?
1: No, it's it's just wine in general.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's called Prosecco Prosciutto Parmesan. Love the name. Try to say that after (laughs) drinking a bottle of uh, Prosciutto. A prosecco. See, there you See, go. That. Already having all problems. Right. We've already been drinking in the studio already. We've, we've had some, cham- not champagne, and we're going to learn about that a little later in the show. But we had some rosé, and we had a different sparkling wine. But uh yeah, thanks for coming tonight. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me.
0: And it's Mother's Day, so...
1: It is Mother's Day, so a big shout out to all the moms out there that work so hard. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, Mama Gwen. Uh she's been going through a little bit of a tough time this year, but she's handling it well and so uh I'm proud of her. So uh we took her to brunch this morning and got some food and had a good mother's day. Where did
0: y'all go to brunch?
1: Um we actually we went to a brunch spot and uh they were not able to handle the crowds that were there. So Ooh. we started sweltering in the heat and we went to uh we went to Caraba's where we knew that it was probably gonna be a fast meal. Hey. And my mom is simple. She's, she was like, I really just want spaghetti. So we took her there, and it was good.
0: My mom went grocery shopping today. <laughs> day. So every, every mom likes a different thing, so it's okay. Uh, we went to uh, Zoo House this morning to get a quick breakfast, and it was 9 o'clock in the morning. They were super packed. I think every place in town was busy today. Uh, but I want to give them a little bit of a shout-out. Um Great croissants. Uh, I, they have a big selection. And I got we got like an almond. They were out of chocolate. And we got like a cheese. And then we just got like little breakfast sandwich croissants. And a lot of places that you'll go and get the breakfast croissants. And it's kind of frozen or it's like microwave eggs. And no, this was like a full-on omelet almost on this croissant. So it was actually really good. So uh, if you haven't checked them out, go and check them out.
1: They have a great ham and cheese croissant. Uh if there, there's nothing really more than I need in life than a good cup of coffee and a ham and cheese croissant, I am happy as a clam.
0: They're serving French truck coffee, which is uh, out of New Orleans, I believe.
1: To the New Orleans or Baton Rouge. Yeah,
0: but it's a good quality coffee that they're mm-hmm. serving over there, too. And it's beautiful, but they were packed. So it made me happy. I like to see when new businesses are, are, are busy. So shout out to them. Um, also... You guys know my love of sour, salty beers. And I always tell you that if you're kind of new and you're not really knowing what to do, your best place to go is to the Worst Beer Garden and check them out there because they have a huge selection. And just if you're not sure, because their beer menu can be a really overwhelming when you're looking at it mm-hmm. and half the time, whatever you order, want to order from the menu, they don't even have anyway. <laughs> so just tell them, I always go and I'm like, what sours do you have now? Or what do you have that, that I would want to try now? And they're really good. If, if it's on tap, they'll give you a little sample to try. So um, I, last night, I'm going to probably mispronounce it because I always do. Uh, they have watermelon gosas. And I think I said it correctly, which is a salty beer. So it's think watermelon with salt. So it was like salt and sour. It was
1: perfect.
0: Um, and so they have that on tap right now. It's not on tap. It's in a in a can. But uh, yeah, go out and check that out. Are you a fan of sour beers?
1: So I've tried the Urban South makes a cucumber lime sour or yes, uh, a Okay, And I tried it on a cold day. And it was good, but my reaction was if it were hot out, I would be all about this, but I am not right now because it's cold. Yeah. But um, I know, I, I'm pretty sure that they have that at the beer garden.
0: They do. They have that one. And then uh is supposed to be making a, a cantaloupe gosa. Ooh. That's supposed to be around this time. So that's also summer. Might be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I, I like... Sours is, and salties is is the summer.
1: And I read somewhere, too, that if you're a wine drinker and you don't like beer, but you're looking into transitioning, those goses, because they're so fruit forward, may be a good sort of uh, gateway beer for you if that you're is, a wine drinker.
0: That is exactly why I think that I like those, because I hate I hated regular beer. And mm. so I had my first sour, and I was like, this is everything. And that's exactly why I think it is, because yeah. I do like wine. Do not like drinking a a glass of bread, which is what I feel like I'm drinking.
1: I love that, which is why I like champagne so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then, see, that's weird because I do like champagne. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, like regular beer. is, And wheat sours, do not like those either because it's like sour bread in a glass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is even worse. So, yeah, that's... uh, I'm always about, like, that's your best bet if you don't want to go to the store, which I think right now the place in town that I think has the best sour selection is Champagne's in the Oil Center. Um, but the Worst Beer Garden always has them on tap.
1: The Whole Foods Bar has Oh, they do quite a few of them. Okay,
0: good. That's also good to know. I will have to check that out then. Um, I also, you know, I love those tasty video recipes that you'll see on social media and i saw one this week for slow cooker ribs and the trick to it to get the crispiness of a rib that you would have barbecued is that you finish it in the broiler and it is the easiest recipe for ribs so you don't have to barbecue if you're not a barbecuer like me all you have to do is take your ribs put dry rub on them And then you put like half a bottle of a wet barbecue sauce on it as well. You want to line the slow cooker or use a cooking spray so they don't stick to the bottom. Place them in the slow cooker. Let them cook on slow for eight hours. Then take them out put them on a cookie sheet, put the rest of your barbecue sauce on there, and then you pop them in the broiler for five to seven minutes, and so it'll get crispy and kind of finish it. And they were fall off the bone. They were so they were good. Uh, boyfriend gave a stamp of approval. So, uh, yeah, if you're not a barbecuer, you like ribs, check it out. Um, I'm a big fan of slow cooker cooking. Not everything turns out great, <laughs> but uh, these definitely did. All right, we are going to take our first break and when we come back we have more with April. So come back to us. It is the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 965 KPL. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 96.5 six five I'm your host, Tiffany Deku. And joining tonight is as guest co-host is April Corville with Prosecco, Prosciutto, and Parmesan. Uh, I want to mention really quickly, there's a cool pop-up that's happening on Wednesday, May 23rd. It's called Casa de Masa. And it's a tamale pop-up that's going to be happening at Pops Po' Boys. It's from 5 to 10, uh, Wednesday, May 23rd. And Chef Ruben Sandberg is doing it. And he has my favorite tamales that i've ever tasted so you're going to want to go check it out if you like tamales um and i also want to give a shout out to our sponsor prairie ron rice um you can get that rice at champagnes and then uh bernadette lee was telling me that she asked them to carry it at adrian supermarket so you may be able to find it over there too but prairie ron rice thanks guys for the sponsorship so april what made you start this uh it's an instagram like it's only on instagram and then it's coinciding with your um column in the times of acadiana correct? right yeah
1: yeah so uh it kind of started as just a I've, I've always had an interest in wine um and i've always enjoyed going to wine tastings and i've you know been to napa and uh the Rhine valley in germany and um some other you know wine areas and uh I ran into uh, and became friends with the sommelier from Marcello's Wine Markets uh, and restaurant, Dina Bone, and uh, met her at a wine tasting at the Hilliard. And they have these wine tastings every quarter or so uh, where they have a tasting that coincides with the exhibit that they have. Uh, So the one I went to was for Linda Fries, and she was actually my photography professor uh, at UL for undergrad. And so I went to uh, see the show, but, you know, also taste some of the wines. And uh, we started talking and, you know, she she kind of mentioned that I had a good palate and that, uh, you know, I was able to pick up on some things. And she said, you know, you should look into maybe getting some sort of wine certification or a sommelier you know, certification or something like that. Um, so I would like to preface this by saying that I am not certified in any sort of wine program, um, but I am just kind of a- an enthusiast. Wine enthusiast, uh, wine-loving, normal person. Uh, So after some thought, you know, I was like, I I always have kind of really been into wine. And uh, so, you know, I freelance for the Times of Acadiana and the Daily Advertiser. Um, And so I started thinking about ways that I could incorporate um, some findings and what I'm learning and tasting different things into the articles. uh, And then just covering... General wine events that happen around town. Um, you know, for example, the Hilliard has another one that's coming up in June and July, I think, that they're serving Spanish wines in conjunction with the Salvador Dali exhibit. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and um, I know that some restaurants like uh, Romicelli and Charlie G's and um, uh, Philippe's Wine Cellar, they all have these wine tasting events around town. So, um, just kind of a way to sort of be like the wine radar for Lafayette Um, so in conjunction I kind of decided to come up with the Instagram where I just try different wines and you know write a little bit about what I know about it or what I learned how it tastes what to expect you know so uh, for example if you like vino verde then you might like albarino because they're made from vino verde is made from albarino and uh, vino verde is from Portugal albarino is dominantly from Spain. So they have a lot of the same characteristics. Um, So, and then also just kind of a way to teach the public that wine doesn't have to be stuffy or fancy. You can enjoy it and not spend a lot of money. Um, You can, you know, if you kind of know the basics of what you want and what you like, uh, you can get a decent bottle of wine, especially from a lot of areas that are maybe underrepresented or maybe just don't have as big of a following um, for relatively inexpensive, you know, so all of the wines that I've featured on the Instagram account um, have been under $20. And so you can really venture out and experiment and not break the bank.
0: Nice. And yeah, that's what I was going to mention. We were talking price points before the show and one of my friends that's really into sparkling wines and champagnes and things of that nature. I asked her one time, what's the most like she would drop, on a bottle of champagne for like a regular like just a normal day and she was saying $100 and I thought that that was insane there's there's no way like I would pay and that's what I was telling her I would pay $100 for a bottle of whiskey because it'll last you exactly I was like once you open the champagne you you have a certain amount of time to drink it and it's like you know that's that's insane for me but that's her and that's what that's what she's into so Go her. But I like that they're under $20. Like, in fact, the one that you brought tonight, you said was $13?
1: Yeah, I think that that retails for about $13 to $15, just depending on where you get it. Okay, so let's dive right in. And uh, we're going to be focusing more
0: on champagne, sparkling wines, rosé tonight. Uh, But the the, um, Instagram blog does cover the whole gamut, correct? Right, yeah. For instance, uh, you guys just reviewed a cold brew wine, Mm -hmm. and if you follow her on Instagram, you can kind of see more details about that, and then she'll be writing about it in the upcoming Times of Acadiana article, correct?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that should be out in about uh, maybe two weeks, but Apothic uh, wines, which a lot of people are familiar with, you know, they make a, a... jalapeno infused wine and they make a dark red i really like their dark red like it's a yeah it's, it's kind of like a basic like yeah I'm, I'm running
0: any store that i go to that I, if i don't know what kind of wine selection they have just go
1: and grab it like it's fine it's an easy table yeah. drinking wine um but they they did a limited release of coffee wine infused with cold brew coffee so we did, uh, we did a taste test. We got a group of panelists together that are just everyday wine drinkers. None of them are uh, <laughs> experts by any means. Um, and so we got together and tasted that. And we'll, we're, we're putting together a little bit of a video uh, to show everyone's reaction. Um, but I think if you want to try it for yourself, I looked everywhere and the only place that I found it was at World Market. Really? Yeah. And that, that may have changed between now and when I bought the bottle, but I've had a little bit of a hard time finding it. Um, but that's where I picked it up.
0: So if you're researching a wine that you're wanting to try, um, how do you go about searching for where it is in town?
1: If it's not in town, you just look on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, there doesn't, it so far there doesn't seem to be a really a resource for, you know, finding those things. But I will say that from a grocery store perspective, um, you know, Philippe's has a really great selection and he's, he is a master sommelier. Um, so he is beyond knowledgeable about what you're looking for. Um, Marcello's is another good place to find things and Carlos, uh, there at the at the liquor store on Johnson Street is also really knowledgeable. Shopines, like you said, has a great wine selection as well. A lot uh, of these places
0: too, I think if you ask, like if they're if you're wanting a certain one, they'll order it for you. Yeah. Too. I know I, I thought I've gone into Whole Foods before and they've mm-hmm. said that they would like if they can get it, they would get it.
1: Yeah, I know for a fact that Marcellos will do that too. That's that's really cool to know.
0: Okay, so let's let's start off. Not every sparkling wine is champagne. <laughs> so let's talk about what the different sparkling wines are.
1: Well, and we can talk. We can start off by what we were tasting yes, before the show started. So the sparkling wine that I brought in is a Saint-Hilaire. It is the oldest sparkling wine made. Uh, it was around before Champagne was Champagne. Um, and it is made in the Lemieux area of France. Um, and you can actually buy this bottle at Joey's. They also have a good uh, wine selection and okay. they're pretty knowledgeable. And I'm not sure of her name, but there is a woman that works in the seafood market who is the most amazing person. She cracks me up. She's so friendly and funny and um, she's super helpful. Everyone at Joey's is super helpful, but so uh. Divvying up sparkling wine, champagne, cava, prosecco into easily understandable terms. So champagne, that's kind of the term that we use universally to describe anything that has bubbles in it. Right. In reality, real champagne, if it has champagne on the label, comes from the champagne region of France. But it also goes beyond that. So champagne producers have to abide by this really strict set of rules and it is governed by the, I'm not sure of the actual title of the guild, but there is a, a guild in place that you have to be a member of and you have to abide by these rules set by this guild in order to be able to call your wine champagne. And it is from how much you harvest, when you harvest them, how you trim your vines, wow. how you produce it, How many bottles? I mean, it's really, really strict, um, which is one of the reasons why real champagne is predominantly a lot pricier than other sparkling wines. Um, But because of the way that it's produced, it goes through a second fermentation in the bottle, which is what gives it its bubbles. And whenever they are second fermenting that bottle on the lees, is what it's typically called, you have to go through and rotate them every single bottle uh, every so often by like a quarter of a turn. Um, And then they use this process where they pump CO2 into the bottle and it pops out this little block of sugars and residual yeast and things. um, And then they plug them back in. So it's a really complicated process. Um, But there are other sparkling wines that come from France that abide by really similar rules and have similar growing climates, but they're just not called Champagne. And they'll
0: be thus less cost-effective. Yes. Right.
1: Um, So, for example, this is uh, Cremant de Lemu, which is anything that's from France is going to be called Cremant de whatever region it comes from. So there is Cremant de Bordeaux and... you know, some other areas. So those are going to be your cost-effective value-driven wines that are still going to be very delicious. And a lot of times those flavors that you're going to get from that type of champagne, they're going to have um apple ripe uh, fruit, ripe white fruit, but they're also going to have some some baking characteristics. So they're going to kind of taste nutty. They might taste like almonds. They might taste like bread and those kind of things. Um, So going down from that, they have cava, which is from Spain. And um, they are produced from a similar uh, production process where it goes through a second fermentation in the bottle. Um, And they're going to be a little bit more citrusy. They're going to taste a little bit more uh, like tree fruit maybe. So, you know, you might get pear um, and then the amount of bubbles might be a little bit higher. Um, but that's also a good option. If you're looking for a high quality sparkling wine, but you don't want to pay for champagne, Cava is the way to go as well. And there are some, some, um, organizational structure that you can look for that gives you an indication of the quality. There's different levels of uh, quality indicators on Cava bottles. Okay. So there's like Grand Reserve, which is top notch, right. and then kind of it goes down from there. Very cool. Uh, and then Prosecco is from Italy. And um, there's also some different quali- quality indicators that are on Prosecco. And they go through what's called a tank method, where they do not go through a second fermentation in the bottle. So the bubbles in the glass are uh, a little bit bigger. Um, and that flavor profile is also a little bit different. So a lot of Prosecco is typically kind of tart. It's acidic. It has a lot of pear, lemon, uh, green apple. Um, but you can also get some pretty good Prosecco for relatively inexpensive. One of the indicators is you want to look for DOC on the bottle. And, uh, that is, uh, Probably not going to get it right, but it's um, Domain Original Controle. And it just means that it's a it's a quality indicator. Um, Now, there's another uh, quality indicator that's called DOCG, and that's even better. Um, So, for example, there is a DOCG Prosecco um, that they actually carry at Rouse's. That typically runs... That's probably the only time that I spent more than $20 on a bottle. Okay. Um, And it's because I had just listened to a podcast about DOCG Prosecco. And there's a specific area in Italy where original Prosecco comes from. uh, And I found a bottle from that area. And it was on sale for like 20 bucks, And I got it. Um, So if you're looking for that, that's DOCG. But you're talking top quality... Really, really good Prosecco for twenty dollars. Oh wow! Okay. Um. So you know, if you're in comparison looking at top tw- top quality, really, really good champagne, you know, you're looking at more like two hundred dollars. Yeah. So um, and then sparkling wine just kind of categorizes everything else. Uh, you know, so California is actually making some really good sparkling wines, um, out there in Napa. Uh, I know that New Zealand, Spain, um, you know, that's outside of Cava. Uh, or making sparkling wines that, you know, maybe aren't necessarily classified by uh, these other traditions. But that kind of breaks it down a little bit.
0: All right. We are going to take another break. And when we come back, we have more with April. So come back to us. It is the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on Newstalk 96.5 KPL. And now we talk about food. It's the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on Newstalk 96.5 k I'm your host, Tiffany Deku, and we have been talking with April Corville, who is with Prosecco, Prosciutto, and Parmesan. Go follow her on Facebook, or you can read her columns every... When does the Times come out? Every Thursday? It's every Thursday. Every Thursday. Yeah. Times of Acadiana. You can check out her writing there. Okay, so we're going to talk about the sweetness levels of sparkling wine, champagne, mm-hmm. real quick, and then we're going to get into rosé.
1: Right. So one of the things, there's a common misconception that champagne or sparkling wine is sweet. Uh, And that's actually not the case. So if you're looking to get into sparkling wine, or maybe you're not really sure what to look for whenever you're uh, shopping for sparkling wine or champagne or cava, is that typically it's categorized by a sweetness scale. And so it starts with uh, extra brute or sometimes brute nature or natural. And then that is your dry, your really, really dry end. Um, And then what you're going to find most around here is brute. And sometimes extra brute. And that means that it's still very dry. The confusing part is that dry is actually sweeter than brute. Oh. So it goes, it's a little counterintuitive. It goes backwards. So it goes from brute to extra dry, dry, and then demi-sec, sec, um and so dry and extra dry has a little bit of residual sugar where you can kind of taste it um but then you start getting into sec and demi sec those are getting pretty sweet so if you know if you're looking for a dessert wine or something that you want to have with maybe some fruit salad or you know ice cream something like that then you want to going to go with uh with sec or demi sec and a lot of times, whenever you find like moscato, sparkling moscato, uh, Diosti, anything like that on the label, that's like, going to be a sweet, a sweet sparkling.
0: I feel like that's gross.
1: <laughs> that's just me. I'm just, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> there is a movement that's happening in the wine world that is kind of trying to break the misconception that sweet wine is not the. Arbor Mist that you mentioned earlier—that a lot of us in the country that were raised in the country grew up drinking. You know, gateway wine.
0: (laughs) That's that's how I got into wine.
1: Yeah. Um, So there there are some sweet wines out there that are delicate that have some good flavor profiles that aren't that sweet, sugary, Boone's Farmy tasting that we grew up drinking. Ooh, (laughs) Boone's
0: made me think of Strawberry Hill, and I kind of threw up a little bit in my mouth. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about rose, which kind of blew up around three years ago, I want to see is when I started seeing it everywhere. And then now it's like everywhere, like everywhere is drinking rosé. And I'm always like, Oh, it's rosé season. Cause I don't drink red wine now in the summer. Cause it's too hot. Yeah. And I don't like white wine. So rosé is like my, my medium. So what exactly is rosé?
1: So rosé is a style of wine. And that pretty much means that, uh, If you leave the skin on whenever the fermentation process happens, generally whenever you make a red wine, they crush the grapes with the skin and the stems together. And that's what gives a lot of red wines its tannins. So that's that dry kind of your tongue sticks to your teeth Mm -hmm. kind of feeling. Um, But in rosé, they leave the skin on for a period of time and then they take them off. So that's what typically gives rosé its color. But that's also why it doesn't have a whole lot of tannins like red wine does. So rosé can be made from a huge variety of grapes. Typically, if you get a rosé from Provence, which is the birthplace of rosé, it's going to be made from a uh, Grenache or Syrah or a blend of some of those grapes that are widely grown in France. A lot of rosés that are coming out of Oregon and Washington right now are made from Pinot Noir. Uh, So it kind of depends. And what's great about rosé is that a lot of them are really easy drinking and they fit the climate perfectly for Louisiana because it's hot and it's humid and rosé is refreshing and it's a good summer drink. And you can really experiment a lot because a couple of things that are going to indicate how a rosé tastes is it's going to be the grapes that they're made out of But you can typically look on the back and see the growing region in which it came from. So a rosé from Oregon or Washington, that's a cold climate, is going to be really light and uh, have a lot of acidity and have some mineraliness to it versus a wine that comes from a warm, growing climate like Sicily Mm -hmm. or even New Zealand that is going to have ripe fruit flavors it's going to be bolder fruitier not necessarily sweeter but just it's going to have a different flavor profile and that's whenever you're also going to see some of those darker colored roses so it kind of just depends on your taste preference Um, but that rule of thumb for the growing climate in terms of cool climate versus warm climate is applied to all wine. Uh, So, you know, if you're looking at a red, let's let's use Pinot Noir, for example. If you're looking at a red from Washington, that Pinot Noir is going to taste completely different than a Pinot Noir from Temecula in Southern California because of the climate. So that's kind of a little bit of a down low on what rosé is. So I've noticed and just like
0: every wine, they have like different sweetness levels as well. Mm. So you'll get some rosés that are super sweet and then some that are taste very bitter to me. I'm not a big fan of the of the bitter ones. But then you have my favorite ones, which I basically describe as having a bouquet of flowers in your mouth. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about the difference that way?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of the bouquet of flowers. You're probably um, referring to like perfume uh, or, you know, the, the terroir. And that just goes a little bit back to that climate in which they grow in. Um, so Provence, for example, is a large region. They make mostly rosé. And because it's such a large region, there's some different areas that they come from. So if you find a rosé that's kind of maybe grown up in the mountains that's high up on the côte, which, you know, if you have a côte de rhone or a côte de prosé, that just means, like, slope um, in which the vineyards are. Um, they're going to have cooler nights um, and a lot more wind than, say, if it's grown closer to the valley. That's going to have more sun, longer growing season, and that, I'm going to guess, is where that bouquet, perfumey... Yeah. Uh, flavor profile is coming from they're really bold they're really ripe they're very it gives you a big mouthfeel versus the cooler growing climates that where you find some of the lighter rosés that are more acidic um maybe have a little bit of bitterness um that are a little minerally that kind of taste a little bit like maybe rocks or Earth or something like that. So That's a
0: good actually that's a very good description of that.
1: Slate is a real term used <laughs> to describe wine. No joke.
0: It tastes like rocks. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I brought a rosé for us to drink. Uh, it's from Crater C- Crater Joe's. Trader Joe's. Um and it is a Provence wine. Uh we kind of talked about it was not chilled and typically you would want to have rosé chilled, correct? Mm-hmm. And so we, it probably affected the taste a little bit, but I described it as not really having a taste. You got watermelon and some other um, flavors a... to it. It's not bad. I I also said that it tasted like water, which
1: could be very dangerous. It yeah, it is really light. It tastes like it's got some taste of watermelon, um, maybe a little bit of lavender. There's some lemon notes in there, lemon peel. Okay, I could see um, that. But kind of a crash course in tasting or smelling wine is uh, whenever you taste or smell a wine, you kind of want to try to identify the first fruit that comes to mind. And so, for example, whenever I smelled this, I smelled watermelon. But then you want to put some sort of adjective in front of it. So maybe it's fresh watermelon, underripe watermelon, ripe watermelon. Um, And so that kind of just helps you sort of identify some of those flavor profiles. Um, The other thing about this particular wine that we tried is that you had mentioned that, oh, it tastes like fruit in the beginning, but then it just goes away and tastes like water. Right. That's called a finish. And that's kind of one of the other things that's part of a taste profile is if it's a long finish or a short finish. And I would describe this as having a very short finish.
0: All right. And we are going to take another break. And when we come back, we have more with April. So come back to us. It is the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. The best tasting radio show in all of South Louisiana. It's the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Lafayette Food Junkie Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm your host, Tiffany Deku, and we have been talking with April Corvo with Prosecco, Prosciutto, and Parmesan. And right now we're going to talk about some wine apps that you at home can download on your phone and kind of learn more about wine.
1: Right. So whenever I kind of started the whole wine venture thing, um, I was finding that I was reading and taking notes and wanting to try certain grapes or certain areas. Uh, And then I would get to the grocery store and just be overwhelmed with everything in front of me and kind of forget about all the notes that I took. Uh, So... There are some apps out there. One of them, the one that I use is called Wine Searcher. Uh, There is another one that I know some of the bartenders in town use is called uh, Vino Vino. Um, And they're essentially, I think that there are other ones too, but you can essentially go to the grocery store, use your phone, take a photo of the label, and it'll bring up that wine and it'll tell you what the flavor profiles are, what kind of food it pairs with, uh, what the sometimes what grapes are in it and then what sort of rating it gets. So you can see if it's won any awards or if it's been rated kind of low or if it's a good value for what you're looking for. Um, and then it also kind of just tells you, you know, if you know that you like really fruit forward red wines that are velvety and taste like chocolate in the tasting profile, it'll say, you know, what, what its flavor profile is. So it's kind of a guide, Um, to use if you're just starting out and you want to learn more about wine.
0: And I had asked you before we went on the show if you were planning on trying to get your sommelier one, and Mm -hmm. you educated me that there are tons of different uh, tests that you can take if you're a wine lover and that the sommelier was more service-forward. And so you're planning
1: on taking which one? So I'm looking at the uh, WSCT. And there are different levels. Uh, I think the highest level you can get a WSET diploma. Um, And I believe that that acronym acronym is Wine Specialty Education Trust. Um, So there's level one, level two, level three. And then once you take level four, you have a diploma. Um, And then there is the Wine Educators uh, Guild that is very intense. Um, And that's for people that want to go and teach wine certification classes um and then there you know there is also sommelier and sommelier the sommeliers guild uh and there's different levels within that program as well uh but from the research that I've done the sommelier route that everyone kind of knows of um, is because that is more focused on service industry um you know a big part of it is that you have to learn how to serve and you know uh, interact with customers in a restaurant or maybe a bar setting Um, so what I was kind of looking into doing is maybe uh, doing one that focuses on writers media people PR uh, marketing that kind of thing so
0: all right what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned uh, when starting
1: this how many different grapes there are there are so many different grapes. And, you know, before I started doing this, I you know, my wine repertoire consisted of... Okay, I know that there's Pinot Grigio and Chardonnay and Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir, and that's it. And I thought that my, like, wine knowledge was pretty extensive, but it was not. <laughs> so, I mean, just in Italy alone, there are... Hundreds of grape varieties just in Italy. Um, and they all taste different and they all taste different depending on where they're grown. So that was another thing that was sort of surprising is that, you know, I talked about earlier, a Pinot Noir from Washington can taste a lot different than a Pinot Noir from Southern California. And that's because of the climate in which the grapes are grown and in which the, the wine is made has a huge effect on how it tastes. So let's talk, we talked about some
0: of the places that you could shop for wine. What about if you want to go to dinner and you want to get a good glass of wine? What are some places around town that have good wine programs?
1: Well, if you want to explore a little bit and just kind of get a palette of what you like and what you don't like, some of the places that have flights, um, for example, social, Uh, Southern Table and Bar has a wine flight on their menu that you can just taste different wines. Um, The Whole Foods Bar, in my opinion, is the best valued wine flight in Lafayette. It really is, and it's so
0: underused and known.
1: Yeah, it's great. I think it's, I think it is maybe $14 or something, and you get three or five wines and I did like a sparkling
0: wine one one time yeah and it was like 14 dollars.
1: yeah and the great thing is that they do have some sparkling wines that are over 14 dollars just by the glass and so if you get that as part of the flight like that that's value right there uh so those are some of the places that you can get a flight just to try out um but other thing other areas uh that have good wine selection uh Pamplona's got a pretty good wine selection. Theirs is predominantly Spanish because it's a Spanish restaurant. But if it grows together, it goes together. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned Marcello's uh, has a good program. Poor ha- has like, you can go, you can get small tastings right. of the, you have to do
0: the little card thing and But, yeah, they have, Mm -hmm. that would be, I would think, a different place. I haven't really drank wine there. I always get cocktails, but
1: they do have wine. It is really easy to spend your entire paycheck at poor because they have the little card system and, yeah. It can get dangerous. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about food pairings. Uh, You just said if it grows together, it goes together. Correct. So let's let's talk a little bit about food pairings with sparkling wines or rosé.
1: Well, so uh, that is kind of a rule of thumb that a lot of people use. If it grows together, it goes together. So, um, you know, there's a reason why Pamplona has mostly Tempranillo and Alvarino on their wine menu is because they're serving a lot of those flavors uh, that that come from Spanish food. You know, garlic, tomato, uh, fresh vegetables, fish, that kind of thing, Um, which is also why a lot of Spanish wine goes well with Mexican food. Um, Is because those flavors are similar. And also, Spanish wine, Vino Verde, Albariño, some of those Tempranillos um, can go well with Cajun food because those flavors the flavors are similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but rose, so sparkling wine, especially if it's a dry sparkling wine, um, that's probably the most versatile wine that goes with pretty much any food, um, with the exception of steak, red meat, lamb. Uh, those real fatty foods, um, but it also works as a palate cleanser. Those bubbles and that acidity uh, has a tendency to cleanse your palate. So you can eat a lot of different foods with, with sparkling wine. Uh, rosé is probably the second most versatile wine that pairs with food, with the exception of, uh, unless it's a sweet rosé, with the exception of dessert and also red meat lamb, things like that. Uh, So my rule with them, if they have a sparkling wine by the glass and we're about to eat at a restaurant and I'm not really sure what I'm going to get, I'll just order a sparkling because I know it'll be a safe bet.
0: Nice. Um, Speaking of sparkling wine, I've seen a trend recently in a lot of restaurants that are doing um, sparkling wines with fried chicken or they'll have like champagne fried chicken dinners. Mm -hmm. is is that because of like the fat content with the with the sweetness you think that that's what it's not
1: necessarily the sweet the sweetness but it's the acidity so anything with acidity which is kind of why really really dry high tannic wines are paired well with red meat is because those tannins and that acidity cuts the fat that's off of that Your mouth is coated with fat after you eat a piece of red meat Mm -hmm. and those tannins and acidity kind of break down those fat compounds in your mouth. So it's, it's a real sign. I can get real nerdy on that.
0: <laughs> I feel like we could have had a whole entire show just on sparkling wine. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, just, it's like so, in, it, it's intense. All right. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been very educational. So the, the most recent, so your article that's coming out this Thursday, is it on the cold brew or is that an upcoming one? The cold um, brew so that
1: will be probably the week after next. Okay. So what's uh, this one coming up? Um, The most recent one I've done was on canned wines. So it is summertime. It is beach season. And uh, canned wines are a thing now. So we did a taste test and tested a lot of the different canned wines that are out there and rated which ones are best and which ones you should probably stay away from.
0: All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next week, Sunday at 6 p.m. This is Tiffany Deku on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. And this is the Lafayette Food Jockey Show. Thanks for listening. And as
1: always, happy eating Acadiana.